Dexter Stucky presents Industry Friends. Welcome to another edition of Industry Friends. I'm your host, Dexter Stuckey. I'm here with licensed psychotherapist, Jake Morris, who works with with Made Human Counseling, which is your own company, correct? It is. It is. Thanks for having me. So there is this thing that I like to do on this show, right? Well, I, I haven't done it yet, but you're going to be the first person that I do it to. And although I've said what you do already, can you terribly explain to the, the viewers what you do for a living? Okay. You want a terrible explanation or like, yeah, a like, like, you know, have you ever seen that meme where it's like, tell me what you do without actually saying it. And you come <laughs> up with like, like, what is it that you do? Yeah. I sit, I listen, I reflect and hopefully help people heal. I don't know. That's almost perfectly what you do. <laughs> okay. Well then I guess a bad uh, description would be that I give a lot of advice all day. That's great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, Jake is someone that like, I always tell a personal story with how I know the person Jake and I've never met each other before in person, which, uh, which I'm always fascinated by, but I see him literally every single week. We have a mutual friend who he does a podcast with views from the chair podcast. Make sure you guys follow. It's really entertaining. And Jake is the therapist on that show. Like I remember when a mutual friend Dylan was explaining to me like what the show is going to be about. And he's like, it's me and my perspective. It's, it's another guy on the show and his perspective. But then in the middle, we have a therapist. And I was like, this is really fascinating because all of us have like opinions and we throw things out there, but like not everyone has that opportunity to have a licensed therapist sit and kind of like sit with us and explain why certain things are happening. And then when you guys dive into pop culture, you you have a different approach than everybody else. And I always, for the most part, agree with what you say, because it's like you take a step back and then it kind of it's kind of like, oh, OK, I see why a person would think that way or do that way. And I think that's kind of needed, especially when you're talking about pop culture. Yeah, it, it really is interesting to be in that dynamic. I feel like uh, we've definitely gotten away from what we started off as is like I remember he uh, he and maybe I shouldn't share this, but he gave a first uh, draft of what our name should be. And it was like uh, damaged deal and flock of the therapist. Yeah. And so we were like talking about uh, going through like uh, different life experiences and then maybe having that weird dynamic of your friend who's also a therapist, like trying to dive into it. Uh, but yeah, I, I do often feel like my take, especially with pop culture is the odd man out. Yeah, but like I often agree with it only because you usually when you see it with pop culture, you don't think much into it. You just kind of give mm -hmm. like not you, but like most people give like an off the cuff opinion or thought process on it, whereas your thoughts on it are more thought out. And you kind of think about like why the person may be doing certain things, mm -hmm. which sometimes I think is fascinating. And other times I'm like, I feel like you're giving these people too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people do tell me it's not that deep quite a lot because we don't care like with my, <laughs> we just want to just throw something out there but i love it especially when you talk about someone like kanye west who mm -hmm. i think a lot of people quickly diagnose with like a mental disorder and when you talk about him you're more conversational about what's happening and why he's doing what he's doing yeah i feel like we kind of dismiss him very quickly especially mental illness you know we dismiss oh that he's just bipolar or whatever it's just he's just being sporadic there's no real reason behind it when he could have good reasons and be bipolar Andy <laughs> so with that being said, welcome to the show. Um, can you just tell me like how you got your start? Like, because you know how 
I feel like your job is one of those ones where people often are like, oh, when I grow up, I want to be a psychiatrist. I want to be a shrink. Do you think the term shrink is offensive? Uh, I don't find a lot offensive. It doesn't offend me. I don't. Yeah. I just know some people do, but like people grow up and and that's a job that people say they want to do kind of like a doctor or a lawyer. But then once you start to do the schooling and everything, it falls off. So like what made you get into this profession? Like what attracted you to it? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I had no idea what I wanted to be up until senior year of college. I mean, elementary school was, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was elementary school. I want to be in the NBA. You know, I was marking off, trying to be oh. six foot six, never made it, not even close. And uh, so I, in my undergrad, I was studying philosophy mm-hmm. and my professor was like, so what are you going to do? You're going to be a teacher. And I hated te- uh, that idea of like lecturing all day. And so my, uh, my senior year, we had a guy come in from the college I ended up going to for my master's degree who gave a lecture um, on what it was like to be a therapist and how that could tie into uh, being a philosopher or being in philosophy. Mm-hmm. And I kind of set a meeting with him and we had like a long discussion about uh, that way of looking at life. And I was hooked. Wow. And how long have you been doing it? Well, I graduated from the master's program in 2015. So technically since then. Wow. Yeah. Okay. What, what has been like your biggest challenge in this profession, you're fairly young doing it till 2015. You're fairly young. So like, does that play a factor into it? Like, do people say like, Oh, I'm not going to spill my guts to you because I feel like you're too young to understand. Or like, do you find challenges like that? Totally. 100%. Uh, I would say just now turning 30 has been really helpful. Like it feels like it gives me some credibility, even though I feel like that's very misleading because it's not personal advice. Right. A lot of people think that being a therapist is saying, here's what I've been through. Here's how I handle it. Here's what you should do. But in therapy, you're really following like these therapeutic models that are already set and you're not coming up with anything new, right? You're just kind of, well, you might improvise on like how to apply it, mm-hmm. but the strategy is, um, is already there. Wait, so when you're, when a person comes to you, right. And you start to talk to them, it's, you would you say it's a one size fits all kind of approach or no not really um but I could see how that that sounded like that so I practice uh what's called internal family systems therapy that's kind of like my main go-to which basically means we all have a bunch of different parts of us that are interacting and sometimes we get parts that we don't like because we've been through pain and these parts try to protect us so that's like a very general um, approach that is sort of one size fits all, but you really do tailor it, uh, depending on the exact person. Cause each person's parts quote unquote are going to be different. Okay. So like, I'm, I'm listening and I'm doing the interview with you, but I'm also kind of fascinated by, <laughs> by some, some of the things you're saying. Cause initially I, I thought you were saying like, this is what we're going to do for the same part. Everybody's the same, whatever, but Basically, what you're saying is your your job is to uncover why what what the person's suppressing and and like why. Yes, yeah, what they're suppressing, why, uh, what is showing up that they're doing that they want to change, and why is that thing showing up? Because it's usually trying to protect them or help them. It's just it's just not. Now, recently, I watched a TV show, and I cannot remember for the life of me what the show was, but I remember the scene. And they, and it was a woman and she was giving someone like therapy advice and it was like harsh kind of like advice. 
and the per and she was on the phone with her husband she's like this person's never going to call me back again like i'm going to get fired because i've given them like real advice like raw advice do you see that often and if so like how do you avoid that Mm. how do i avoid them not coming back or giving the like 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 when you know that you're having a conversation with someone and you know that what you're about to say to this person more than likely will upset them Mm. when you're doing that like do you hold back on what you're going to say or is it like i have to say this and you're going to take it how you take it Yeah, I usually try to gauge my own avoidance, because if I'm wanting to avoid it, that usually tells me something about either myself or what they're needing to hear, right? Chances are, like, if I'm feeling as if I'm going to hurt your feelings, uh, that means there might be some truth to it, and I'm trying to please you. And then I get curious, like, why am I trying to please you? What do you bring to the table that makes me want to please you um, and feel not not feel comfortable being open and honest about what I'm seeing. So when a person is talking to you, and I'm going to get into the setup in just a second. So when a person is talking to you, right, you are analyzing yourself at the same time that you're analyzing them, which is something that I don't think most of us do. Like usually when a person, because it's technically the person's asking you for advice. And like, for me, if a person is asking me for advice, I don't necessarily listen to, (laughs) I don't listen to hear, to listen to my listen to respond. And like, you have to do both. Is that difficult? It can be because I don't know what of myself is showing up, which is really why it's so important for most, for therapists to have their own therapist. Mm -hmm. Uh, My first mentor told me that it's okay to have a messy backyard but just know where your backyard ends and your front yard begins. Like, so what you're showing to your clients. Okay. I like that. I should write that down. That's actually a really good for for like any profession, honestly, like nobody wants to see like your baggage. Like you kind of got to, like you said, keep that behind closed doors. Um, Now with the setup, what does that look like? Because, you know, stereotypically, like when you see it on TV, it's a person, they're sitting on the couch and you're on the other side of it. Is is that what it is or is it something different? That's usually pretty spot on. I'd say the main differences I noticed from TV is uh, no table in between you and the person, right? Or don't sit behind a desk because the desk or the table is sort of like a metaphorical block in between the two of you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A boundary. And so you um, want to have like open conversation. And I think this will probably even work in regular conversations too. If you're talking to someone not having something in the middle of the two of you. Yeah, it, it does. It, def- it definitely does. Now, what, how, thing, how did things change during the pandemic? Zoom. Zoom changed uh, it, because you can only, just like everybody else, you know, you only have the neck up. So it's mm-hmm. harder to read uh, when people have physical anxieties and their leg might be shaking or they're adjusting their, their kind of torso area. Cause a lot of people hold pain and discomfort there. And so people will sort of, uh, for lack of a better phrase, kind of fake how well they're doing mm-hmm. as a protective mechanism, not because they have poor intentions. Uh, and so it's harder to know, uh, if something's working or not working. Okay it's it, we're so we're doing zoom now and i'm like trying to watch my body language like, <laughs> what kind of energy are you giving up right now so when you are when you made that switch like like you had no choice but when you made that switch to doing things through zoom did you have reservations about it or was it like i'm just going to do it because i have to i'd say both definitely had reservations felt like it wasn't going to be as effective but at the end 
it created the opportunity for a lot of people to do therapy that could not access it. Otherwise people that lived in the rural areas don't have transportation, don't have childcare. And the main reason we weren't doing that before is because insurance companies said they wouldn't pay for it. Got it. But now they're like, okay, I guess we'll pay for it because pretty much the whole um, profession pushed back and said, no, this is kind of messed up that you're not allowing this to happen. Now, I'm glad you mentioned insurance because a lot of people's insurance do take, not even just the zone part, but just in general, like some insurance actually will cover therapy sessions. Is that a challenge for you guys? Like, so say like someone's like, I need, I I, I sought you out. I want to start sessions with you. And then you're like, I'm assuming you would say like, okay, like what's your insurance information or are you paying out of pocket? And then say they're trying to do insurance. And how does that process work for people who are like interested in therapy? For the client? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's usually fairly simple. Uh, they have their insurance card. We just need their uh, group number and ID. And then we're able to verify it online just by doing a basic search and then we send a bill to their insurance company for them, just like a normal doctor's office. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, um, so for my private practice, what we do is we provide super bills because insurance companies, they, uh, they really regulate the type of therapy that you're allowed to have. So they'll make like certain types of therapy, um, not funded when those are the ones that people usually need. Uh, what are the most common? The most common types of therapy? Yes. I'd say you've got like cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, which is the idea that your mind uh, and the beliefs that you have shape your feelings and thoughts. Uh, You've got like dialectical behavioral therapy. Uh, And then I'd say another most common one would probably be uh, more recently ACT therapy, which is acceptance and commitment. Okay. And those are ones that insurance companies may not want to cover? Yeah. Like if you don't follow... Uh, what they determine to be, well, if you don't follow what they consider following a treatment plan, they may say that that's not, uh, that's not reimbursable, but people don't work according to a plan. I can't say do this and this and this, and you'll get better. It's, it's not that simple. Now, when you are putting together a plan for, do you do that? Like, do you put together like, cause you know, sometimes let's say it's like a skincare routine, right? They're like, you, you can come here once, but this is only the introduction to it. It's not one of those things that's going to cure all your skin problems. Like this is a consistent thing that you have to consistently do. When you're talking to someone, like say it's your first time doing a therapy session with someone, do you put a plan together like that? Or is it like, if you just want to come once, that's fine. Yeah, you can definitely come once. I'll tell you, you won't get a whole lot. Uh, The studies show that change doesn't happen for like eight sessions minimum, right? Mm -hmm. Eight to 12 is kind of the range, but we'll make a plan of a more of a vague plan in terms of what we want to work on. And I'll explain like my brief idea of how we'll get there. Uh, But part of the therapy process, the reason why it's so difficult is because there's a lot of uncertainty. And usually folks come in And part of what they're dealing with is not being good at handling uncertainty. So like the therapeutic process in and of itself is kind of treatment. And then as far as dealing with friends and family members Mm. in therapy, I'm positive that you get asked for unsolicited. I mean, you get asked for advice all the time. How do you handle that? Like, what do you, do you say no, or do you give the advice? Mm. 
It depends on the person. So like for some people, I'll tell them, you know, I don't really give advice. I'll listen and I'll tell you what I think. And, uh, you know, I'll try to be a little bit of a therapist if I have the headspace for that. Uh, but a lot of people after they've asked once or twice and they get to know me, they sort of don't really see me as a therapist. You know, Dylan says all the time, he was like, I don't really consider Jake what Jake on the podcast that's from the therapist mind as like that legitimate, I guess, or that like from a therapist perspective, because he knows all like the flaws in me. He knows how I can be ridiculous and how I say the dumbest stuff on the podcast. Um, so if they know me really well, they usually don't come to the therapist side because they're like, I don't know about this guy. Right, right, right. <laughs> He's got his stuff. <laughs> no, how are you as far as not giving out unsolicited advice? I hate unsolicited advice. It's one of my pet peeves. Jake, I, I don't get along at all there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you give a lot of unsolicited advice. I mean, I feel like people need it. So I tell them what I think they need mm. to hear. I mean, that's, yeah, that's your prerogative. That's fine. But people don't like me. So I guess <laughs> maybe I should stop doing that. Maybe they're giving you some cues. Um, yeah. So um, Made Human Counseling, that is your own company that you started. First off, what, congratulations on that one. And then also, what made you want to start your own therapy company? Yeah, sort of the thing I was speaking about earlier with working with insurance companies. Uh, when you have your own practice, you're able to do what you know is best as a therapist mm -hmm. and not be regulated uh, by people who are just wanting to make some money on the side off of it. And uh, you can offer usually better quality of care, usually forced to see less people, which means like your quality of care is better because you're not slammed all day. Uh, you know, they, most therapists working for uh, organizations get a 10 minute break in between sessions. Mm -hmm. And that's not much time to switch gears into the next person's uh, situation. And in a private practice, you can give yourself however long you decide. Now, one of the things that you did mention that I thought was really interesting was that you said you think a therapist should have their own therapist. Mm -hmm. Why do you say that? I mean, I think I know why, but I'm just, you're the expert. So like, why, why do you say that? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure your, your thought is right that you have your own stuff. We have our own stuff. I have my own stuff. And I don't want to put that onto somebody else. And uh, another one of my mentors told me that you can only take somebody as far as you've gone. Mm-hmm. So if I've only gone so far, then I can't take you past that. That makes sense. Now, how how are you or or what advice even would you give to other people when it comes to like blocking people's stuff out? Because like if you're sitting there and you're having multiple sessions a day or a week and so many different people are coming to you, they're kind of like piling on their problems onto you. As a therapist, how do you avoid like taking on those traumas and those stresses of stressors of other people? Hmm. My approach is to accept that it's there and to acknowledge the reality that I am carrying that, that I do hold those feelings from the other people, that I do hold their stories and kind of calling it like it is because the farther, the harder with anything, I try to push it out and pretend that it's not there or uh, say that it's not mine. There's almost becomes like a more unhappiness, like more unease because I have this part of me that I'm trying to get rid of, but it's there and it's yeah. real. I feel like I have so many questions for you. Like, this is, this is amazing to me. Now, as far as like books and everything, you know how like there's always like a self-help book, but now I think like the world is really pushing people towards therapy. Like it's a 
to me, like I've never heard people talk about like mental illness and like mental well-being as much as I've heard in the last like three to five years. In regards to that, like, how do you feel about that? I'm, I'm sure like from a professional standpoint, it's great as far because like it's more more eyes onto your industry. But does it bother you at all that like it almost seems like a trend? Mm. I'd say the part of it that bothers me is uh, people on Instagram that pretend to be therapists that aren't therapists, right? Like, oh, no, when I say I get solicited, I'm not those people. I don't okay. <laughs> Because those people, yeah, that I I guess they're just doing it for likes, and that's the way to make money. Um, but one thing for me is you don't have to have a mental illness to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. You can just be a regular person that is neurotypical and just be dealing with stress, or maybe not even stress, and just want to get some things off your chest. And I I actually I really enjoy working with those folks who aren't necessarily dealing with a mental illness. They just want to work through some stuff that maybe they haven't had the chance to talk about. It's funny when I first started therapy, that was my thing. Like I, there were things like in like my life that I just, just didn't feel like I need to talk about. And then like doing it made me so much more open to talking about those things. And like, honestly, I, I was a little skeptical about therapy initially. I think, and honestly, I don't even have any reason as to why I just didn't think it was necessary, but like, I really can say like having a conversation with someone that's not like, a family member or a friend like it's just I can't it's like a wake that kind of like lifts off your shoulder and mm. and truthfully in my experience having a conversation with a therapist made me more comfortable talking to my family and to my friends about the issues that I was having why do you think that is oh, <laughs> um I <laughs> that felt real therapeutic there <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to answer I was just being well, really, I know why it's because like it's situations that like are uncomfortable for me to talk about. And I feel like I'm supposed to have a certain image with those people, like the family and the friends or whatever. And like talking about vulnerable things like that, it, mm. it chips away at that image. It feels like like you're not super strong if you're like emotional. And I think like allowing myself to have those conversations made me super emotional. And then it's just kind of like guys, this is what I'm dealing with right now. And it just, it's easy. Like you don't care. You don't think people are going to judge you. You just feel kind of like open to just say what you have to say. I agree. It really, at least for me also, it does take that edge off of like, I've already gone here with this topic. Mm -hmm. So if I go here with you, it's not that big of a deal because I I know what it is. And that vulnerability piece, that's tough. Vulnerability is really uncomfortable, but I think what you're saying, and I agree is that's strength to be able to be open, honest, feel something in front of another person that's actual strength as opposed to hiding it. Yeah. And you don't realize that though, like, because like when you start to like hide something for all your life or whatever, and it's like, Oh, I'm not going to talk about this. I'm not going to do it. And then you do it. It's just kind of like, you almost look back like, well, why why wasn't I doing this before? Like, why was I like keeping this to myself? Truthfully? Like, again, I, I genuinely think like, I do think that people talk about therapy a lot on social media whatnot. And it does feel trendy to me but at the same time though I've done it myself and I've done like the work myself so I do have like a I I agree with it I do think people should do it it's just that it's just like sometimes every time you turn around it's like oh you gotta go to there like it's kind of yeah and on tv too the therapist and the therapists on tv are horrible they're always having sex with the patients or like (laughs) doing something wild 
the TV show that I was watching, I don't remember the name of it, but it's Nicole Kidman's in the show. And uh, you're right, because like her husband's having sex with a patient and it's it's a crazy situation, but it's like that is her profession, though. It's 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 interesting. Yeah, I remember that one, too, on HBO. Uh-huh. It's called. Yeah. Are there like books or anything that you would recommend to a person before, like either starting therapy or that it would help them at all? Mm, yeah, that's a good question. I would say uh, a couple of books that I really like, depending, and I guess they're all over the place, depending on what you want to focus on, but you've got ones like uh, The Body Keeps the Score, uh, Waking the Tiger is another really good one. Um, to understand what therapy is like, there's a, a really good book called The Gift of Therapy, which is uh, from a guy named Irving Yalom, who is a, like a hero for therapists. And he uh, talks about different patients and what it's like to be in therapy. And I think it makes, it kind of makes it less, uh, less scary and more transparent. Um, I'm in this book club. That was one of my New Year's resolutions to do a book club. And I'm in this book club and the body keeps the score, which is interesting that you said that is one of the books on this, this list too. It's like, I mean, initially the, we wanted to do like a self-help book, self-help book, a fictional book and all that kind of stuff like this. And then they were like, this is a really good one, especially if you're interested in therapy and stuff. So like, Initially, I was like, I don't know about this. But now that you've said it, like, I'm a little bit more intrigued about it. It's a dense one. It is really full of information. Now, at this part of the show, like, I always like to ask the guests, like, what's next for them? So you started your own, you started your own company. So like, outside of that, like, what else is next for you? Mm. And that professional area? Professional, personal, like, whatever you feel comfortable sharing. Yeah, I would say professionally, that's definitely the next step. Uh, I would like to get to the point to where I get to travel uh, for my work. So whether that's uh, becoming published and getting to do uh, little lectures or engage in research in other areas of the world, uh, with Zoom therapy being a thing, I would love to be able to do like a month stint in different parts of the world in my family. Um, so, you know, cause it's my wife and uh, one of our, our children, and then we're having another soon. So having that second child is pretty much what's consuming most of the, the energy right now. It's really funny because when I was like, I was talking to, to our mutual friend Dylan, and I was like, I really want to interview him. He's like, well, you should hurry up. He's going to have a baby. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> <get on> this. <laughs> yeah, good looks, Dylan. Much appreciated. And then as far as like, so perfect professionally like you want to engage more I guess with like your audience and and do some stuff like outside of the room where are you based Greensboro North Carolina okay see zoom is a is is a hell of a thing because outside of the way there was one word during this that you pronounced and I thought that was an interesting way that you pronounced it I forgot what the word was though but outside of that like I wouldn't have never known that you weren't in Pennsylvania oh yeah yeah (laughs) I'm actually from uh Homestead Florida like by Miami oh really yeah yeah, just moved here like a couple years ago. Okay. I don't really know what Florida people are like. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know stereotypical. Well, I do know stereotypical what people from Florida <laughs> like, but like I don't know. Like, like Florida doesn't really have like a thing that sticks out. So like, it's really difficult to know when a person's from Florida. Like they don't have accents or anything like that. No, no. I wear camo like NASCAR. Those are definitely Florida. <laughs> <I think. laughs> Wrestle alligators. That was kind of. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, finally, I like to ask people um, for a puzzle piece. So it's anything you want, like a mantra, something that you live by, like yours, I'm super interested in probably the most. 
anticipated puzzle piece because you're a therapist and I, and I think mm. I can use these words, but like, what would your puzzle piece be? Okay. This is going to have to be one I think about for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be a puzzle piece? I guess recently it's revolved around acceptance uh, and acceptance that we need other human beings. I, I forget the, the specific quote uh, to need other humans is, is not a flaw to need to open up about what we're feeling is not a flaw. Uh, to have painful feelings doesn't mean that you're, there's something wrong with you. Uh, all of our feelings are there for a reason and we're not making them up. And they're usually a clue that we can follow to help us figure out what's going on. I guess that's kind of my, that's my mantra. That is right incredible. Now. Like that's literally what I was dealing with. Like, you know what I mean? Like you, you suppress your feelings and stuff like that for other people and really for yourself. And then it's kind of like one of those things, like I think the perfect line is like your feelings are there for a reason. Like there is definitely a reason why you felt the way that you do. And it's also one of those things, my, my wife's a counselor and she's always like, you can't tell people how to feel. And like, mm. honestly, like there are certain words that I use when talking to people sometimes that like really like take away from their personal feelings about something it's like you can't do that because you don't know how that person's actually feeling and just that's been like such an eye-opener for me honestly like just like taking that step back and being like you know what people feel a certain way for a reason like don't take that away from anybody else and I think that's truthfully words to live by I like that I like that a lot it it is easy to try to guess or interpret other people's feelings but we usually don't know Mm mm-hmm now on your podcast views from the views from the chair you have a nickname on there and the nickname on there is flock or flock yeah can you explain that to me um so you know hip-hop was really into hip-hop still pretty much am not as much as i used to uh in college i used to make fun of uh walk a flock of flame mm-hmm. the rapper when he got real big oh let's do it and all that mm-hmm. uh and I would make fun of him so much that I actually got a group, uh, one of the fraternities there to start liking him because they thought I was being serious by like <laughs> when I would play him. And so my friends kind of turned it around on me and started calling me the name because they knew how much I would make fun of him. Uh-huh. Um, and then it stuck. And when we'd play like intramural basketball and there'd be people watching like They'd call me Flocka, and then it re- people knew me by that name better than they didn't know my own name in college. Thank you once again for your time, Jake. I really appreciate this. Like, if how, how can people find you or get in contact with you if they're looking for therapy or just to get to know you? Yeah, they could go to Psychology Today, which is pretty much the best place to find a therapist as far as a directory can search my name, uh, or they could shoot me an email at jakemorris at madehumancounseling.com. And I'd be willing to help them find somebody in their area. Perfect. Thank you once again, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jake Morris, a licensed psychotherapist. Hey guys, Industry Friends is now on Instagram at Industry Friends. So after you rate the show, subscribe to the show, repost the show, review the show, and tell your friends about it, follow us on Instagram at Industry Friends. Industry Friends. Industry Friends. Friends.